0: You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Everybody knows someone affected by diabetes. How close are we to a cure? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, Chief Science Officer at Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that tests existing therapies for new diseases. And my guest is Dr. Jerry Nadler, Professor of Medicine, Chief of the Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism, and director of the Diabetes and Hormone Center of Excellence at the University of Virginia School of Medicine in Charlottesville, Virginia. Dr. Nadler and I are discussing his life as a diabetes researcher. Dr. Nadler, welcome to Reach MD.
1: Thank you very much. Happy to be with you today.
0: Well, you're a very senior scientist at the university. What was your experience going from a young physician researcher to the chief of a large division at an internationally known school of excellence?
1: nice to look back and see how your career has has developed. And I always go back and when I talk to young people, I mention that mentorship is, is very critically important. So I was very fortunate during my early career days at the University of Southern California to have two excellent mentors in the fields that I ultimately went into. And they were very supportive of my career and put me on track with early research that was very promising and then help me obtain the funding so I had protected time to develop my research career and expertise. So as an MD, people often ask how do you carry out research? And and actually the only way that I was able to do that is that I had the extra time to spend in the laboratory to learn extra extra techniques that's now carried me forward. And I was very fortunate then to be able to make appropriate moves to other institutions to allow my career to develop and also for me to help others following my footpath.
0: So you use the term protected time, and I know in the research area, everybody knows what that means, but in the clinical area, can you explain to us what protected time is?
1: Yes, it's a very important concept. As a physician going through medical school and then for our residency, it's very important to have time to develop your research area. So as a physician we always love to see patients. We enjoy seeing patients, but it's very difficult if you're if you're seeing patients in the clinic and in the hospital 100% of the time. It's very difficult then to develop your research career. So the protected time is very important in the early career development of faculty so that they can spend anywhere from 50 to 80% of their time on their research project. And the rest of the time, carrying out the other activities that we all enjoy such as education and teaching and also taking care of patients.
0: So what do you think life is like for young investigators now compared to what life was like for you as a young investigator?
1: I think in research the way it is it goes in cycles and part of the cycles depend upon the pressures economically and in the in the funding agency. So for diabetes we're very fortunate today to have a, many foundations that are interested in seeing diabetes cured and, and lives improved for people with diabetes. Back a number of years ago, you really didn't have as much. And so I think it is, it is improved actually for the younger people of today if they're interested in going into a career in diabetes. There's special allocations and people realize now how important this disease is. So I would say that's one difference. The other difference hasn't changed that much. I think that uh, you have to be very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. That's true back then and it's still true today.
0: Tell us about sort of the progression of your career from that early investigator to the chief and director of the Diabetes and Hormone Center of Excellence. How did you make that transition?
1: I think early on, I was very fortunate to get additional funding for fellowship. So after I finished my endocrinology specialty training, I felt I needed extra training. So I was able to get an additional fellowship and spend two additional years to learn about diabetes and its complications. And then I'd received my first career faculty appointment by getting funding from the NIH for what's called a Clinical Investigator Award. And those were the awards that now are called the K Awards. That provided me five years of protected time to develop towards a tenure-track appointment and then at University of Southern California I was able to receive an accelerated appointment to associate professor with tenure. Then the City of Hope Beckman Research Institute had an opening for a department director and as a fairly young faculty I was able to without moving my whole family able to take on a new position where I was able to really address a key interest of the City of Hope to develop diabetes and they gave me nice resources. And I was able to build the diabetes program at the City of Hope and work with a very pronounced noted investigator in the diabetes field, Dr. Rockmel Levine, who is now passed on. But Dr. Levine is actually the father of modern diabetes research. And he discovered in the 1940s how insulin works. And it was a thrill for me to work with Dr. Levine at City of Hope during the twilight of his career. But some of his knowledge was able to be transferred to me, and I'm always very thankful for that opportunity. And then, when the University of Virginia was looking for a new division chief to really build up their diabetes program in 1999, I was very fortunate to be able to come here and take a very strong endocrine division to really build it up to be one of the top diabetes divisions in the country and help other folk, other people here, such as Dr. Gene Barrett, get a funded anti diabetes center and also recruit in wonderful faculty, such as Raghu Mimir as really a key member of our diabetes center. So I would say that uh, at each institution where I've been at, I can feel very good about adding to the institution and also reaching my personal goals and also the goals of improving the care of people with diabetes as well as uh, improving the research.
0: You are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bruce Bloom, President Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, and I am speaking with Dr. Jerry Nadler from the University of Virginia School of Medicine, who is describing his diabetes research career. So you're not only a physician and a scientist, but you're also an administrator. How do you find time for all three of those things?
1: The day is very interesting when you have uh, many hats to wear. So it's exciting job, but also takes a lot of uh, a lot of the hours so I enjoy seeing patients I run a very large division and I enjoy education and mentoring and giving back what other people have given me but I would say one of the very exciting areas that we we continue is is doing research and at this stage in my career what I'm really very excited about is seeing that some of my research may actually go towards the clinic to actually help people with diabetes so I think every aspect keeps things interesting and each day can be diff- is it really different than the next
0: As a physician have you been surprised by the epidemic of obesity in this country and the corresponding increase in diabetes
1: Well as a physician who also uh, takes care of a lot of patients with diabetes I'm actually alarmed but not surprised It really truly is an epidemic of obesity in this country and what surprises and alarm- alarms me the most is how often we're seeing obesity in children and how early we're seeing the development of diabetes in children, both type 1 and type 2. And now we're seeing type 2 diabetes start to come up and be developing in children as young as 8 years of age, which is very striking.
0: And as a researcher, what do you think about the pace of discovery for treatments of type 1 and type 2?
1: As a researcher, I'm very excited these days. I think if anyone's following the news, you see very important discoveries that we're getting closer to understanding the genes that are involved in both type 1 and type 2 diabetes. And we're learning how all the different fields of medicine and research are coming together to understand what's happening. And one of the most interesting things for me is the area of how close type 1 and type 2 diabetes is in terms of the insulin-producing cells, and how inflammation is causing the destruction of the cells and causing the development of both type 1 and type 2 diabetes. University
0: of Virginia is a center of excellence for not only diabetes but other diseases too, and you've been working on the link between obesity, diabetes, and heart disease on a number of major projects. Can you talk to us about those?
1: Yes, I'm happy to. The main project we're working with that's funded from the NIH is what's called a program project and it involves four major projects of investigators that are working in separate areas to address a major problem. And the major problem we're trying to address is why do people with diabetes or people that have obesity develop accelerated rates of atherosclerosis and heart attacks? And so we have four projects, and the projects are all related but have separate focus. One of the focus is that I'm working on is what's going on in the fat cell. Why is the fat cell itself causing the inflammation that ultimately leads to heart disease, and hopefully that'll lead to some new therapies to stop this epidemic that we're seeing. Other investigators are trying to understand why when people get stents or go in for procedures such as angioplasty, why do people with diabetes have such high rates of complications and restenosis after that problem? And that's being studied with a major investigator in cardiology, Dr. McNamara. And then Dr. Hedrick, who is also in the Cardiovascular Center, is trying to find out why do the macrophages, those are the cells that take up the fat, why do they become inflammatory and why do they lead to atherosclerosis and diabetes? And then finally, we're working with another investigator, Dr. Lay, Klaus Lay, who is working on the immune system and what's the link between the immune system and cardiovascular disease. And that's a very exciting area because we now know that atherosclerosis is a chronic inflammatory disease. And his research in collaboration with us could lead to some new therapies in the
0: near future. So for these four projects, how close is this research to getting to patients?
1: It's a good question. The research that we have right now in the atherosclerosis area is about four to five years away from coming up with a new therapy. We're at a point now where we're testing our ideas in the animal models and understanding the mechanisms. And then we hope to move forward With that result, and I would say in the next four to five years, we would likely have a lead candidate to move forward to the clinic. So we're not quite as far along in that project as we are in the type one project.
0: I want to thank Dr. Jerry Nadler at the University of Virginia School of Medicine for sharing his research with us and telling us about his research career. I am attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing existing therapies for new uses. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to XM at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.